Hey, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth-McGuire. And this is Talking Lion. Talking Lion is a podcast focused on artist-to-artist conversation. We're primarily artists, a duo called Sleeping Lion, but we've been lucky enough to write, produce, and hang out with so many incredible rising artists since we started our project. Whether it's at sessions or parties or over cups of coffee, we've talked with our creative friends about everything. Music, life, love, and all the subtle complexities that come with being in the middle of a journey. Talking Lion is about hitting record in these conversations and sharing them with you. There's no real structure, nothing really prepared, just friends talking about life and what it's been like and where it's going. We now have a Patreon for fans of our show to help keep this going. Subscribers will become a part of the show in various ways, from providing questions to our guests, to getting a shout out on the show, to actually being on the show to chat with us. We'll even send you a mug. So check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash talking lion. We recorded this episode with our good friend, Sophia Grappari. We first met Sophia in Boston when she asked us to open for her. We were classmates at Berkeley, but we only really connected after we all moved out to LA. Some context for this interview. We recorded this remotely that we'd recently written together for the first time since the start of quarantine. Sophia was about to release her single Lie to Me, which is out now. Likewise, we had all recently written a song together called Lonely in LA, which is coming out on September 3rd. One of our favorite songwriters and collaborators, Sophia's pop sensibility is unmatched, as is her unwavering drive to cultivate a strong music community. So, without further ado, I'm Sophia Grappari, and this is Talking Lion. Well, hey. How's it going? It goes. It's it's good to see you. I feel like we, we've actually gotten to see each other once in the quarantine. We did. That was like our first sort of session, sort of going into the new normal or whatever. Yeah. I mean, um, that session was, was something. Yeah, we, we definitely wrote something. We definitely we wrote, wrote something. music. Yeah. I feel actually, like as soon I was, as it I was, got to a point where it was like acceptable, we were just like <laughs> yeah. dying to- No, no, thank you. Yeah. Just Let's just hang out. Let's we just be people. We were dying to get together and write. And then it kind of was just like, you know what? Let's just get used to being around people again before we... Once once we checked the box, it well, was... Well, it was like we were saying during the session, like writing is such a muscle that... Absolutely. Like, you know, I don't think we've actually written, written in... Well, I mean, probably no more than me a little bit, but like... But I've definitely let the, mu- the muscle atrophy. I had a great writing week at the beginning of quarantine mm-hmm. and then uh, just haven't written anything. And every time that I've tried to sit down and write something in the last couple of weeks, it's just been like sludge. If it was a podcast editing session, I'll tell you, I would have been on that because <laughs> really flexed that muscle this quarantine. But I mean, actually, uh, I've spoken to a few people about it. And I think a lot of us have been using this time to finish whatever that mm-hmm. like, you know, I think we were all kind of going 100 miles an hour. And then yeah. Yeah. this kind of gave us the excuse to wrap up a lot of projects. So even if you're well, not writing, you're still kind of, you're still working on getting stuff done and moving on to whatever's next. Well, yeah. I, I know too that like, especially our friends who are new to Los Angeles, like a lot of people are doing a lot of sessions, oftentimes first time sessions with people that they're not necessarily comfortable with or whatever. And mm-hmm. so a lot of like, oh, we got it. We got to do this session. A lot of like the work of like getting into that session right. flow. We got comfortable writing with like you and Alex Venegas and whatnot as like, and, and finally just started kind of like finding our people. Yeah. But we were still sort of going through sessions that, you know, maybe maybe weren't the best fit. And I feel like, yeah, the quarantine has given us an opportunity to like go back to the drawing board of like, what do we want to be working on? With who do we want to be working on them with? And like what's going on, definitely. you know, with our sort of like careers and stuff with that. So yeah, definitely, definitely an opportunity. But also, yeah, I, I we, we were all just, I, it was also like a, a hot day. So I feel like we were all just sort of like struggling. <laughs> Absolutely. Also, we had so much to talk about. Like there was so much that's oh, happened yeah. in the past, you know, 
I'm not a huge texter either. So like we actually had a lot to talk about. Yeah. 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 I, I, me, me neither. I'm, I'm like the worst. Well, it was also too that like at a certain point, you know, we haven't seen Jacob, uh, right. our, our mutual drummer. Our mutual since drummer. he broke his feet. <laughs> um, his heels. His as, as he would, as he would remind you. Yeah, well, you know oh. his heels are part of his feet. It's around there. You know, you know what? he's back and, back and better than ever. Better back, than ever. Yeah. Well, you know, shout out. He played. He played uh, drums on Balance, which just came out. He did. Which, speaking of Jacob, and speaking of uh, songs that we revisited, you know, le- less working on on new stuff and more just sort of focusing on the old, pulling stuff off um, the shelf that you've kind of been meaning to get to. Yeah, yeah. right. I feel like that. That was what was kind of exciting about like us getting together was like just showing kind of what we were revisiting Mm -hmm. or like what was finally sort of coming to life. Definitely. I remember, I mean, it did feel like, feel like being on drugs almost because it was like, (laughs) like it was overwhelming. It was definitely overwhelming. People was wild. Yeah. You know, it's like we've all been really cautious. Yeah, definitely. We've all been really cautious. So it was like, you know, we, we knew we were okay. Like, Mm -hmm. no, and I tested negative, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, I'm glad, I'm definitely glad we all waited, you know, definitely an appropriate amount of time before we, before we got like before we all got together, so that we could just enjoy it and not be paranoid yeah. about it. Oh, absolutely. Just doing it in the so smartest there, way possible. There still is that feeling of like we're breaking the the rules. I don't know yeah, who's a bit. rules, but yeah, but there was definitely like that that, that slight feeling of like troublemaking. Yeah, um, <laughs> a little bit on a, on, on a global pandemic level. <laughs> God, but no, crazy that, you have to was, say that. Yeah, right. Are Are you doing all right otherwise? Yeah, I think I've kind of finally established somewhat of a routine. Uh, also for some reason, my body clock just decides it hates me now and wakes me up every day at like seven. So, oh yeah, oh. That, 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 that tends to happen. At least it's your body clock and not construction. Cause That's I woke true. up this morning to hammers. God, that construction has um, been going on for a minute now. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a it's whole appro- house. It's approaching a year. Uh, Crikey. I, I am upset. It's one of those <laughs> things upset. where I, like, I, I, I wish I was at the town meeting that, Apparently, they're supposed to have before construction starts. Gosh, I feel like that's you just know? LA in a nutshell. Yeah, it's like, were you at the We've got construction meeting? next door as well, to be fair. No, that's the thing. I like, at one point when I was like really struggling, I called up a bunch of people. I remember. To see if, to see if I, could, I could sleep at somebody's house because I, I hadn't gotten more than three or four hours of sleep. <laughs> I remember because this and, is when Jacob was away and you texted yeah. me being like, yo, I might actually, if it's okay with you guys, use Jacob's room for a couple nights because I'm just going insane. I was like, you're more than welcome. But we also, our neighbors are also doing construction. Well, and then I, I, I hit up our other Sophia friend uh-huh. so, and she said that they had construction next door. And, and you know, like Alex and Eden, like, you know, live next to, uh, in a pretty loud area. Definitely. And it was Definitely. just like, you have to understand the level of desperation I was under to like want to drive to the valley just to get a, a hey. night's sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. That's just how it goes, though. Hilarious. But actually, what is interesting, I think, about our our friendship is that I, you know, I don't necessarily remember a ton about being in school with you. Yeah. And you know, we've talked about it before. When you came out, like I at first was like kind of just hesitant to write with anybody coming out from school because we had just, you know, mm-hmm. again we we had kind of found the people we were comfortable with, and like the sort of Berkeley vibe was kind of weird to us at a certain point. Right. I mean, um, I. You guys have done an incredible job of moving out to LA and finding a whole group of a whole network of people to work with who are completely unrelated to Berkeley. And not, you know, that working with Berkeley people is a disadvantage. It's amazing. But you guys have done a great job of finding a whole like different array of people, which is awesome and ha- much harder to do. I yeah. really appreciate that. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that like we 
were mainly talking to LA people while we were at school. Right. And because I left, yeah. And because I left halfway through and Noah left like a, you know, three fourths through, but then came back. Mm -hmm. Like there was none of our, our friends out here, like Berkeley friends out here when we got out here. Right. It was just the friends we, we had been like talking to online. Plus, you know, our manager had been out here already and was mm-hmm. already. So it was just, yeah, it was just sort of like, it was nice, but it also made us kind of outsiders from our own sort of school alumni when everybody came in. And, right. you know, had it not been for Jacob just hyping up all of his friends, <laughs> you know, I don't think, I mean, it really took Jacob like saying like 12 times, right with Sophia, right with Sophia, right with Sophia. I'm like, I'll, if you shut up, I'll write with <laughs> Sophia. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, I met you guys. Actually, I don't remember when we met, but one of the first like interactions we had, I think, was I was playing a show in Boston. And mm, yeah. I think I was just like asking around who else I should kind of ask to be on the same bill. And someone was like sleeping iron and I'd heard of you guys and, you know, you guys were doing cool stuff when we were still at Berkeley. And I reached out to, I think I re- reached out to you, Nate. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were like, yeah, let's do it. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, great. Well, I mean, it was it was the Middle East, which was a you know obviously mm-hmm. a great venue to play. And Jacob was so adamant about playing drums that show too, which Always. I'm like I fair I fairly remember that was the one that like like sent him spiraling. <laughs> like that was the one where he lost the click track. Yeah, that was in, the, in the, front of Robbie from right. It ended up being a rough show. And it was a rough rough show, but it it was sort of like Jacob's like um, he he like talks about his origin being like. I fucked up and never wanted to go through that ever again. Oh my God. So I he, mean, for those of like, you who don't know, Jacob is my roommate. Also, he acts as my musical director and he's my drummer. And obviously he drums for you guys as well. He's our drummer, but also, I, so he's, you know, he's a, he's a New York Jew. He like is a family <laughs> friend. And and so I, like I've known him like since he was a kid. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and was always like, like the word whippersnapper pops into my head like I like I always sort of th- thought him as a bit of just like a, a rambunctious kind of kind of kid yeah. he's got gumption he though like you gumption. have to give it to yeah. him he's like if there's any human being that I would describe as having gumption we met when we and him were like 15 or 16 oh wow mm-hmm. I like like a five week thing uh, five or? week and we definitely oh, nice. were not friends <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing is, I, I think I always considered him to be like a family friend, which is like somewhere between like acquaintance and like right. brother, nice you know, which best. none of that, ne- yeah, none, none of that necessarily like is indicative of like a, like a long-term friendship necessarily right. or like a close friendship. It's funny, just but, before I got on the phone with you guys, he was like, so when you want to talk about me for like the 10 minute slot, just like, let me know. <laughs> and he got it quickly. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're here. I think just inevitably talking about Jacob Herlick was just going to be where where we go. I Pretty feel like much. when we interviewed Robbie, there was also a Jacob Herlick appreciation yeah. segment. But yeah, no, well, not, and that's the thing is like, I remember playing that show, but I also remember it being so many things that happened at like, that show. I think that was when we first met Amelia. Right. Oh, was that Ali. what that was? That was that show. Yeah. Whoa. Robbie was there. Every, every Middle East upstairs memory all, I have has blurred into one, into one, yeah. one weird night where a Absolutely. ton of weird shit happened at this point. Like I have no yeah. recollection of which was which. Yeah. But that, that was the thing is like, you know, I, I feel like nothing really consciously processed around that time. <laughs> I also feel like in the three or four years that you're at Berkeley, you go to like 10,000 Middle East shows. Yeah. So inevitably yeah. just going to merge. <laughs> And then a couple hundred when we came back out to Los Angeles. So, right. you know, it just, right. um, you know. But uh, I like, I didn't even realize I think you were like English until you were <laughs> out here. Because I mainly only sort of, you're like, thank you for being on the set. I'm like, oh, thanks. You, you know, I appreciate it. And then like you played your set. Um, right. But like, it's yeah. Like a quick, uh, quick meet. Yeah. Yeah. A, a chat, right? We're having a, a quick chat. chat. 
Chit chat. Where 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 are you from specifically? Born and raised in London. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What was that like? Because I I I wanted actually. If the year had gone down the way we all sort of expected it to, we would be in London currently. Oh, hell yeah. But never been otherwise. Noah has, but I've never been other- otherwise. London so what was is... it like? What's the music like there? What's What was your life like growing up? So I was born in London. I actually lived in the south of France for about a year when I was oh, really wow. small. Moved back to London. And honestly, as a kid in London, it's just kind of like any other city. And then I went to boarding school outside of London, about an hour away. So from the age of like 13 to 18, I wasn't actually in London. And then I went straight to Boston. So I was kind of, I say that when, when I'm asked about the London music scene, I know it's a great, a great music scene and there's a lot of incredible stuff coming from it, but I haven't really professionally ever been part of the London music scene. I did, I did uh, shows. I started playing acoustic shows when I was about 14, whenever I was home from school. So I played venues like the Half Moon, um, Ronnie Scott's, the Bedford, stuff like that. Just like smaller venues around London. But, you know, I was always underage, so I had to be off the premises by like 8 p.m. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I had, the, I had the early drinkers as the audience. <laughs> I was going to ask, you know, about like your, your childhood music experience, but we, we have both had the oh. privilege of hearing your hit song, oh, no. Chaos in the Bathroom. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, Chaos in the Bathroom was... Oh, <laughs> of course this is gonna come up um you knew it was coming I, my I first don't... ever song I was obs- okay so when I was like oh, okay I must have been like eight my aunt had a macbook with garage band on it and I would literally <laughs> when we were on holiday together I would sit on her laptop and just I was obsessed with garage band sorry garage band I was obsessed with garage band and I started writing because I I started playing guitar when I was about 10 or nine, I forget. So as soon as I started playing guitar, I wrote Chaos in the Bathroom. Chaos in the Bathroom, Chaos in the Bathroom, Chaos in the Bathroom. Chaos in the Bathroom, Chaos in the Bathroom, Chaos in the Bathroom. Chaos in the Bathroom was definitely a time. I've always said that in like 10 years, I might release the original recording, but with like a current video. Uh, oh, yeah. I would love that, but not in 10 years. I think it should be <laughs> Sorry, tomorrow. this year. Yeah, it should be yeah. so- sooner than that. Because it really, <laughs> unironically... It's, it's actually shockingly it's good. It's shockingly yeah. good. <laughs> it's it's, it's I, upsettingly good. It's upsettingly good, good for... So, like For your first thing. Compared, like, like you, you had like a weird metal project. I had like a weird folk project. Like n- nothing compared to the, the beauty and magic that was Chaos in the Bathroom. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I don't know, like we were all just like a little bit drunk and like Eden just like singing like eyeshadow. Eyeshadow. We were in the desert. Oh yeah, Eden, that, the- Eden, that line really got to Eden. Oh yeah. This whole song <laughs> is about being late for a party. I'm not quite sure what kind of crazy parties I was going to when I was 10 or nine, but. But also like everything in the bathroom was overflowing. Yeah, like, the bath was overflowing. Like yeah, that's the, that's the real video is just you standing in a puddle in the bathroom. Just- we can make it happen. Definitely. Yeah. In the Airbnb that we were at, because that almost did happen. That yeah, that oh, that, that was desert sewage. That desert that sewage. That was dreadful. The the septic situation. Yeah. In in this house is astronomical. The paper house. Um, we call, we called it the paper house because just stuff went wrong house. every every day. Well, we'll get we'll get to. I want to talk about the the, the camp. But yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm I'm attempting chronology here. 
you have some, you know, you were basically like living by your, like not by yourself, but like you've essentially been in a sort of college situation since you were like 13 or 14. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, I feel like when most people go to go off to college, they have like a full on college experience. And obviously Berkeley's a little different anyway, but I think I very much had a college experience in high school. Um, mm-hmm. Anyone, any American, any American I show like pictures of my school to, which is like, oh, I didn't realize you went to Hogwarts, which obviously is the <laughs> reference they use. Did, but, right. did you go to Hogwarts? That's, no, but apparently, like they actually are, apparently they actually asked to film Harry Potter at my school, like the close to scenes. And they said no, because I actually don't know why they said no. It would have been incredible. <laughs> That's wild. But yeah, I, I think I did have, you know, I had a lot did of you, Were there houses? Was it like that kind of boarding school? Yeah, were the, like, there were. Yeah, nice. There were yeah. houses? Yeah, yeah. There yeah. were 15 houses. Did you have a 15? sorting? Yeah, because you, you live in your house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In your boarding okay. house. Whoa. Um, but w- yeah, was there I, I had- was there a sorting hat? There was, funnily enough, no sorting hat. I think it's just like an online random generator, maybe. <laughs> what, what was the name of your house? Uh, my house was called Walpole. And were you great- Witches and wizards. <laughs> God, get out of it. <laughs> but no, I, th- I think I've always said that I always felt like I had a lot of freedom, obviously within the within the school rules, but it was in a city. I say quote unquote city because it was really, really small. But, you know, you had the town to go to. Great part when I got a little older was that it had a crazy uh, pub to square foot ratio or square mile ratio. <laughs> there were pubs everywhere. Um, That's a classic metric. And then obviously I come to the States and I can't drink. So that was Uh, rough. The whiplash. Yep. I remember remember so distinctly like like getting to Berkeley. Fink was playing a show at the Middle East and I was so excited because I've been listening to his record like the summer before getting to Berkeley and I couldn't go because I was 17 and I was like, you're not going to let me see music because you're afraid I'm going to drink? Like, bitch, I've been doing vodka shots since I was 14. Exactly. Like literally, (laughs) what what is wrong with you, America? Like you- It's it's bizarre. (laughs) It's bizarre. I mean, my my high school had essentially a bar that if you were over 17, you could go to like like twice a week, I think, and have a couple drinks. Just between periods? (laughs) No, it was like at night. Just a a cheeky pint. (laughs) Lunchtime. But no, but it was bizarre to have that and then go to a full on, you know, college where it's just, it's bizarre. Well, so you did five weeks. I did five weeks in 2015. And then you came, came through to Berkeley. Yeah. Now, when you, when you got here, were you like, oh, I'm going to be a song, pop songwriter, artist, person? Uh, or, yeah. Because I, I feel like when I went to Berkeley, there was a lot of like self-discovery stuff. I, I was like mainly going to do the film thing. You know, I think I always knew that that is the route that I wanted to go down. It was just figuring out stylistically what musical path I was going to take. Like I made mm. a lot of really crap music. Like I'd put it out and then think, you know, this is the best thing I've ever created. And I guess this is never going to stop happening, but you keep <laughs> thinking the next thing you're going to put out is your best. And then a year later, you're like, oh my God, what the fuck was I thinking? I had a piano teacher who was like, what improvement means like how you know you've improved is being able to look back on the stuff you made six months ago or a year ago and said that was shit and well not even that was shit but just like oh I now would change that yeah or I could have done that a little differently or stuff like that for sure which I think is all well and good like it's important to sort of be able to do that and improve I just wish that I had learned the other component which is pop music usually takes nine months to get right It's insane. I've, you know, or like to, for the song to come out and then all the, you know, you have to just like stomach the fact that it's like old by the time it comes yeah. out. You also have yeah. to stomach the fact that it's never going to feel done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
for sure. Yeah, that was a rough one to learn. <laughs> yeah. No, we're, we're, we've been, you know, and this this has been like a journey unto itself. But we've been trying to find like enjoyment insurance, like okay. little ways <laughs> that we can sort of like, you know, oh, so we're not mixing it anymore. Okay, we're not mastering it anymore. Right. Like, oh, we're going to have this person like handle this thing. So at least like there's enough of a holistic approach so that we're not like blaming ourselves for everything we fucking hate about it. Right. I, I know you want to talk about this later on, but that was the beauty of the camp that we did. You had like no, you had a day each basically for each song. And we knew it didn't have to sound anywhere near to finished, but we wanted to make full songs in that one day. Songwriting Um, is is essentially the process of letting go. And I think that like one of the things that you get from, I know we were talking about how much we enjoyed having a break from it. One of the things you mm -hmm. get from like doing sessions every day and every day and every day is that you just stop treating sessions like they're sacred or songs like they're sacred. Definitely. You know, I think that if we had a session like we did, uh, (laughs) you know, when we broke quarantine, like at the start of our collective sessioning career, it probably would have emotionally weighed on us yeah. more than just like, oh yeah, we're not feeling it today. Like yeah. that just happens. Absolutely. You know? um, and also we, we, were, we were writing out this one idea for a while that day. Yeah. And then we all were kind of like, are we all in agreement that this sucks? Can we move on? Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel like that it. that's a skill you get from from doing a lot of sessions. Like, right. I think that's a thing that you develop over time. Like, the balls to be like, yeah, this isn't it. Like, let's start something new. Like, I think that takes a while before you are yes. comfortable with that. Well, and being comfortable with a person. Yes. Yeah. I think we've written enough sure. songs and enough good songs together to say, we've written better than this. Let's yeah. let's challenge ourselves to just like abandon it and whatnot too, you know? Yeah. I feel I feel like, you know, you can't necessarily get that in a first session, which is I think what makes first session somewhat exhausting is yes. that you, you, you really Draining. have to feel the water out of like, you also you got, know. you know, there's an element of having to prove yourself to whoever you're, you know, working with for the first time. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, no, but, I'll tell you, but you that, all know that, that goes, you're all that goes away it. after. You're, yeah. That goes. But I mean, if you're in a new session, like new yeah. people and none of you have worked together, you all know it's like unspoken, but you're all thinking, oh my God, I've got to like c- contribute equally or more. I've got to, you know. Right. When, I've been, I've been fact, trying to be like fun. very like Zen about stuff. Like I've been trying to be, you know, more sort of Bob Ross about things where it's like, <laughs> all right, here's my painting, you know, let's make these big decisions and let them go. Right. Like I, you know, I'm not going to try, like if somebody's coming in to work with us or like do a session, they know they either don't know anything about us or they know enough about us. I feel like I am at my worst when I'm trying to prove myself because that's mm-hmm. when I'm trying to be like clever or like right. try to do stuff that doesn't feel sort of like genuine or authentic to mm-hmm. me. I feel the best in a session when I can just sort of like shut off and trust the sort of process of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, that session yeah, we did at your so. house, we had it in the books for a while. And yeah. I remember, Noah, you were at a lunch and I arrived like an hour or two before you got home. And Nate, you were like, let's just, let's just start. <laughs> and that was the, oh, that was weirdly the, one of the first times in a long time that I had just sat behind a piano and mm-hmm. together just like written the majority of that song. I'm, I mean, we got, you know, we, and we got, we got, we went back uh, in and we changed bits, but we got like, but we got a lot of it. Yeah. yeah well, I, I remember, I remember coming back and being like, oh, y'all have a chorus. Like you, you had written the chorus yeah. and yeah. I was just like figuring out the verses. But and it, it was because we had already, you know, like sometimes you, you have like that pre-session to like get to know somebody yeah. and sort of like work things out with somebody. But like, you know, we had just hung out as it went. Like it was, we, we were writing around the time when we were like going out with a group of mm-hmm. friends, like going dancing you know, on Wednesdays. Every, 
Yeah, right. Pretty much going what dancing. Yeah, going dancing on Wednesdays. Like whenever you know, like whenever we had a free day. So yeah, uh, it was less like oh, so what's new and like what's happening, and more like yeah, like you know what's going on in my life and what's going on in your life. Let's just like sit down at the piano. Like uh, yeah, one, definitely. You know, that was um, a great day. Yeah, that was that was awesome. I had a migraine, and but it was still a great day. <laughs> I think I think we threw a party that evening. You did. Parties. <laughs> you did. Yeah. Oh yeah, because I, I remember being upstairs finishing the track for Lonely in L.A. While the party was starting downstairs, and a couple of a couple of people would like come up in. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, "What yeah, do you yeah. do? What, what is this working? song? Yeah, are you guys yeah. good? <laughs> yep." And we were all Maybe just yeah. like jumping and dancing around. I was drunk, so I was just, well, you know, because as as the session bled into the party, I was like, I was entertaining. You got to prepare, folks. You know, I got. I was, exactly. I was there. You know. Oh, it was um, a great day. What uh? What would you say? Not necessarily in class, but like in your sort of experience at Berkeley. Like, what was? What would you say are some like important, um, not to make this pun, but lessons you learned <laughs> while while you were there? Oh, a lot. The biggest thing I learned from Berkeley was that, I mean, everyone kind of knows this, but I think the whole point of Berkeley is the people that it introduces you to that you will work with at one time or another. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. some of my, most of my closest friends here in LA and, you know, closest collaborators I had maybe met at Berkeley, but maybe never even heard of. Mm. Um, and I think we were all pretty much in the same boat. We knew that we wanted to move to LA. We, we'd heard of, you know, people that we were acquainted with who were also moving to LA. And once we all got here, we kind of formed this circle. But I think knowing that it's okay to create stuff in a bunch of different genres or, you know, work with a bunch of different people in different genres at Berkeley is so okay. Like it's so okay to figure it out and not rush because it's difficult to comp- uh, not to compare what you're doing to you know the success of someone else. Like you guys, for instance, were a few years ahead of me at school and you guys were putting out awesome music while you were Thank still you. at Berkeley. Music that I really liked as well. You guys were doing really well at the time that I was still kind of figuring out what the fuck I was doing. So I think I'm very grateful that Berkeley has set me up with so many incredible people here. Well, I think it always... Like like that even specifically, you know, I feel like I learned perspective in a way because mm-hmm. while you were looking at us like that, we were looking at, you know, the people who were older or exactly. even like in our year who were just like crushing it in ways that we, you know, people who had even more cohesive sounds than we did right. or like had figured out like a certain part of the business that we hadn't. Um, and again, I think that that perspective, like I used to compare all the time and it just, it made me actually physically ill. Right. Like it really, like, you know, it really wasn't. And so- I was like, you know, I can either compare every day and make myself sick mm-hmm. or I can collaborate and like build a community where I no longer care about how we're doing individually because now it's not about us anymore. It's about everybody that we kind of like surround right. ourselves with. Another thing I definitely learned at Berkeley was that it's not just going to happen. You have to oh yeah, absolutely do it yourself. I feel too like in a lot of ways, like there was, there was a weird kind of clout chasing at Berkeley that I don't know if that's, that's still kind of like survived in, into year year. But I know that whenever anybody did like did well, a lot of people pounced on yes, that. Absolutely. And I think, yeah. I mean, for the first two years, I was, at, I was at Berkeley for three years. The first two mm-hmm. years I was, I, you know, I'd show up for my classes sometimes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but other, but pretty much so I played lacrosse with Emerson College oh, wow. and for the first two years I was there. And that was a huge time commitment. And also I loved the people that I did that with. I also lived downtown. So like I was kind of in that world almost more than I was in the Berkeley world. Um, mm. And that was very, very okay with me at the time. 
And then my final year, I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm about to move. This is kind of my last chance to make something happen at Berkeley. That's when I started playing with Jacob. Um, mm -hmm. That's when I started doing more writing sessions rather than me just kind of working alone. That's when I got into the kind of more pop electronic stuff rather than the whole like live band arrangement kind of music. So I think the last year was where I learned the most. I also learned that maybe the crowd that I was surrounded by, this is generally speaking, of course, but some of the crowd that I was surrounded by were not the right crowd for me. So just like finding the people that you vibe with, that you work well with, that people that make you happy, getting rid of the people that don't make you happy. <laughs> so the last year was definitely like a formative year for me, but the rest I was like all over the place. I completely, I completely feel that. I feel like my first year was, was like to, to a crazy degree dedicated to friends and community and like building up stuff. And then, right. um, and then met Noah and we started Sleeping Lion and my, like my memories of Sleeping Lion was a dorm room. Like it wasn't this That's community awesome, thing. It was, it was like very much like us isolating ourselves. Yeah. Like we were, we were trying to, trying to be anonymous. Like we were isolating ourselves, trying to like not have anybody know who we were and just sort of see what we could learn about blogging and about playlisting and just and let everything. the music do its thing yeah. on its own and see what that felt like because mind you I didn't do sessions until we were in Los Angeles like my first session wow. was on the way to Los Angeles like in Nashville wow and like Noah was doing the Hot 100 where he was learning stuff and working with Annika Wells and like mm -hmm. doing all that stuff but you know I guess maybe not necessarily realizing like that that was how everybody was yeah doing it out out here it's weird that they that you don't learn that until you somehow figure it out for yourself like right I like I said I was at home a lot working alone and that was kind of when I was starting to learn a lot about production and how I could use that for my own stuff rather than just solely relying on other people to get the tracks ready. The session structure that we know, we kind of come to because that's like the most logical way of doing it. Right. So I feel like, you know, we could be taught it or we could be whatever, but we didn't realize that that's like, you know, you think it's school mandated or you think it's a sort of thing and then yeah. you go out there and they, oh no, this just kind of makes sense. Here's the producer, here's the writer, here's the artist or yeah. the, the artist is also a writer. I'd never really been in a writing session until my last year at Berkeley and it wasn't even at Berkeley. I think at Berkeley, everyone has so much going on and you're all very much still learning. Right. Um, well, I, I was going to say, I feel like my last year, and this sort of ties into like our like collaborative relationship. Mm -hmm. My last year was essentially defined by two things. The first was a bunch of people. Like I, I was no longer at school. It was a bunch of people hitting me up to get lunch to find out how we got playlisting or how we got certain blogs yeah. on the one side. And on the other side, like I was going through a breakup and I feel like I leaned on and trusted certain people sort of emotionally mm -hmm. that probably shouldn't have leaned on or, or trusted. Um, but even if you guys were kind of isolating yourselves and, you know, maybe that came with some bad things, but the fact that you guys were learning about playlisting and blog, like blog posts and all that stuff is more than I think a lot of people can say at school. So like the first oh, kind sure. of single I put out, I was like, there it is. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, that's no, I, I, nothing our, behind it. I always felt like our edge was that we knew the blog stuff early, Absolutely. that we found out the Spotify stuff early. You know, partially because Halsey said so, but just like partially just like a lot of research and a lot of right. like, you know, hitting up people who who weren't just listening to the Berkeley teachers, but were listening to like what artists were actually doing. Um, but I just feel like that last year at Berkeley, for me at least, or in, not even at Berkeley because I dropped out, but like in Boston, 
kind of like put me in on the defensive so that when right. I came out here and like Berkeley, like Alex Venegas wanted to write for a minute, like you wanted to write for a minute. Like uh, I was like, I'm not writing with, with anybody. I don't <laughs> trust the Berkeley crew, like whatever. Um, <laughs> so which I, yeah, which, which again led me in the wrong wrong way because now my favorite people to write with are you and Burrell and you know Venegas and and all them you know but uh that's broadly why though I was like uh well a lot of the time your professors are kind of telling you one thing but some of those professors are really not in the you know current pop writing world so occasionally Berkeley like gives you those easter eggs of like (laughs) so I had a professor in my last year fucking incredible He's a producer. He's he's a writer. He's really doing it now, though. Like he's mm-hmm. he works with some really really cool artists, and he commuted like once a week from New York. And you can tell that this is someone teaching you who you can trust because they're doing it and they're doing it well currently. Mm. So that was yeah. a really cool push in my last year. I took him for like a top line class, so that was great because I learned a lot about top lining, which I hadn't learned about before <laughs> well uh so, some of my like biggest mentors and influences like at berkeley were like the film scoring and video game music right. teachers um and sound design teachers because uh, like i had one teacher named duncan watt who took me out for lunch and he said two things i'll never forget the first was he asked who has the long career and because he just heard he heard me rambling about like all of these meteoric artists or like our friends who are having these like really intense moments or whatever. He's like, what does it mean to have a long career? And he like was really making sure to tell like teach me about foundation. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is that at one point, I think I just got him back from the bathroom or something, but he's just like, Nate, I just want to tell you, like, I love what you're doing with Sleep and Lion. Like you guys have such a great sound and such a great aesthetic. And like your collaborative energy is re- really, really powerful. And your songs are just like so good. You've really like just dis- like created this very distinctive sound. And I'm like, this is my favorite professor just like telling me. Means a like, lot. The nicest. I'm like, thank you so, so much. And he goes, see, anybody can tell you anything. I have never listened to your music. <gasps> I up. just looked you up while you were in the bathroom. But you will now take a deal from me. You will now collaborate with me. You will now do anything. I saw it. I just saw that. And and he's like, I promise you I'll listen. And I'm sure I will feel the way that I just expressed. Wow. But you got to watch out for, 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 for whatever I just did. Fuck. Yeah. Like, I'm That's like, are so you fucking good. kidding me? That's like a super villain move. Or like, holy shit! That's like a sensei move. Yeah, uh, it's but it stuck with I me. I bet you felt like I, an absolute idiot. <laughs> oh my god! But like, it stuck with me. Just just yeah, to that's, give that's, you an idea yeah. of like why I was on the defensive like for so long. I mean, that's the thing. This in music, there are so many false promises. There's so oh, much yeah. kind of schmoozing, and you, yeah, you definitely need to be able to spot it when it happens. Oh, absolutely. What were you saying, though? Uh, no, I was going to say, I, just going back to the Berkeley thing, like, I think a lot of our edge came from the fact that we were looking outside the bubble. Oh, yeah. You know, like, the, like a lot of, the, like, like you're saying with Halsey and the blogs, like, the thing that, that in any way set us apart was taking the energy to get outside of what people at Berkeley were doing and look to what was actually happening in the industry. And a lot of my favorite professors spoke to that as well. Like a lot of my favorite professors were the people who were like, don't pay, like I asked for advice from uh, from Sean Slade at the very end of my Berkeley career. And I was like, what What do you think I should do? He's like, get the fuck out of here. Like that was <laughs> like that was his last piece of advice to me. He's just like, you are miles ahead of what's going on. Just like yeah, do the damn thing already. I think that's also, it's huge to be able to, you know, to be aware of the fact that just because you're still at Berkeley and still in school, you should know that it's still okay for you to 
be in the industry properly. Yeah. Like it's not necessarily too early to start doing it, but I think a lot of no, people No, if, if anything, that's, that's, that's the most successful people who come out of Berkeley are the people who tap into that wavelength and they're like, yeah, yeah I'm doing school as a foundation, but like- But I'm still the, doing it properly. There's no reason and, yeah. to not start doing, doing it well, cause, properly. Because you learned from like what you focus on. Like could you, like, I think the most important discipline somebody can have is deciding what they, and who they choose to focus on. Right. Like if I'm looking at like- the people who are trying to make like the, you know, the YouTube cover video for whatever, like the hot new song is that's coming out, that's getting like 50, you know, YouTube views, then I'm not learning anything about like how to do like a pop career. Like, you know, like we are very lucky to be able to look at somebody like Jackson, you know, right. be able to like on a, like a microscopic level right. decide like what parts of that resonates for us and what we can learn from that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, but like, you know, that's the thing is, is we get to, we get to decide to focus on somebody like Jackson as opposed to focusing on people who are kind of at the same, exactly the same yeah. level as us. Right. Yeah. Or, or people who, who are, are trying things that we think on the surface make sense. You know, like we, we get to learn from what we focus on, you know, which I think I'm paraphrasing Hannah Gadsby in a sense, but we get to decide what to focus on. And I think that that's, that's an incredible kind of discipline, you know? Mm, absolutely. Um, now, I feel like musically too, like I, I think I started like working and writing with you before actually diving in to your music. But like I now I'm a fan of yours. Like oh, now, yeah. like I heard enough of like, you know, like I heard the demos and the sessions and like everything like that. I went, I'm like, oh, I should probably like also listen to your music. Cause, well, nah. cause that's the thing is, no, I mean, that's, that's the thing. I, I, it's coming out wrong. But I mean to say is like we were dancing on Wednesdays. Like I was, that was what we do. Like we all hung right. out and we, you know, but that wasn't the same as like. That definitely like made connecting. Thursdays less fun. Definitely made Thursdays less yeah. fun. <laughs> though, you know, we, we went to UCB on Thursdays, so that wasn't too bad. That but, was usually uh, though when we didn't go out on Wednesdays. <laughs> right, right. Tonight's the night to go out, to go out. <laughs> but, you know, like the moment realizing that like Alex Costa could sing incredibly well. Oh, crazy Or that Eden moment. is like a nutso pop producer. Like yeah. those things, I, I'd known them for months before actually finding any of that stuff out. Right. Same, same goes for you. Like I, you know, I discovered, and I think the first song that really like resonated was, um, was Lesson Learned. Every time you realize I might be okay without you pulled on my defenses that need you all over again. And every night you tell me I won't, won't be the same without you lying through your teeth again. Now I know. That was an interesting song. As I said a bit earlier, I there was a time at Berkeley where I started, like I basically decided that I wanted to get into production. It was kind of an accident. I mean, I was working with someone at the time on a song that is no longer on Spotify, um, <laughs> but he was working in Ableton and I spent such a long time watching him. He was like a wizard at Ableton. His name is Noah Vickland. And I learned so much from just watching. It was at the same time I was taking an Ableton class. So I kind of was forced to get the software anyway. <laughs> and I kind of made relatively shitty music on Ableton while I was figuring out how to use it. And then last May, so at this point I'd been using Ableton for a bit. I sat down one day and I had seen a Chelsea Cutler. I'd heard of, that was like the first time I'd heard of Chelsea Cutler. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, like who produces her stuff? And she then put this video up at the time, I think, which was like for all of you people asking. So clearly a lot of people asked who produced her stuff <laughs> and she did it. So I was like, fuck yeah, that's, you know, you don't see that a lot. Um, right. She'd done these little making of videos. And one day I literally sat down and I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna see what happens. And that was the first track I'd made, which I was like, actually maybe I can produce my own stuff till the end rather than starting it and giving it to someone else. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where Lesson Learned started. So that was last May. And I wrote it very quickly. And then I got severe demoitis. Mm. <laughs> uh, didn't write the whole thing though. But then I wanted to play it at a show I was doing. So I really quickly wrote the rest of it. It was really bad. And then people were saying like, you should put it out. It sounds like it's finished. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like I kind of fell out of love with it. And then in October, I started this new track and Jacob actually, <laughs> Jacob again, Jacob walks in and was like, oh, this could, be, this could be the new lesson learned. So I literally hmm. lifted the top line, put it on the new track and then called Alex Burrell. I was like, this top line sucks. Come over. <laughs> we redid the top line. It was a whole different track. It was like a different BPM, different key, everything. And then I realized how awful the first demo was. It's like a circle. Um, <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, like, I feel like songs always just like sort of eat and cannibalize themselves until right. till they come to be. But um, I, was, I was really, really excited when I produced the version that is now on Spotify <laughs> because it was kind of a, a moment of maybe now I get to call myself a producer. I don't really know no, what it was. You're but a phenomenal. Was, I mean, we, you know, when we did the camp together, you're a phenomenal producer. Like, thank you very much. Uh, we, at this point, I think, yeah, there, there were two songs or two and a half songs that we've done together mm-hmm. where you've specifically produced it. Like right. you were the producer in the room. Right. And they're, they're awesome. Thank you. The thing I'm really curious about is you you mainly collaborate with Alex Burrell. How did you and Alex meet? Um, I actually met Alex my first day of Berkeley. We were in the same really? peer group, peer advising group. Peer advising group, yeah. We both lived in the same dorm building. So like we, we, knew, we knew of each other. It was kind of thing like we'd say hi. We worked on like some mix on you know, in our first or second semester. Mm-hmm. But then we took Swag's class together my my final year and Alex played something that he'd worked on. And I was like, holy shit, this is great. And then from then on, we just started working a lot together, became really, really close friends and then both happened to move out here. So Alex is definitely one of my favorite, favorite people to work with. We kind of just like know each other's strengths, know where to help each other out. And yeah, I've created some of my favorite music with him. It's funny because like he he was one of those Berkeley people that was like very peripheral. Like I think I met him his first week mm-hmm. as well because I was like you know consulting or advising whatever right. Arthur Arthur the pleasure like this like eighty piece band that he wow. <laughs> rap okay. project that he was you know involved oh yeah that in. is that is how I met him yeah and then and then you know like hadn't really. Th- thought about him necessarily and I and then I'm at um I'm with Alex and Eden and Luke just played the Fonda and we're you know uh, hanging yes. out backstage and he's like hey Nate and I'm like Alex <laughs> I love he was that he was touring with them yes but yeah it was just like it was just one of those nice and now I mean now like I, we, we spend a copious amount of time with Burrell but right. like he's and he's, he's awesome. wildly talented he's but I didn't awesome. know like Alex Burrell, Nick Smith, you, like there were so many, Alex Venegas, like there were so many people who I like didn't realize were just like stupid talented. Like, yeah, they're, they're everywhere. Years later, you know? That's yeah, the trick with Berkeley. Like sometimes people sneak up on you. Like there are so, you can't keep tabs on everyone. So sometimes uh-uh. there are people who you never get to spend time with or never get to make music with. And then you hear them randomly and you're like, holy crap. Definitely. Why did I never work with you? Like Definitely. you're, you're There's you're still so time good. though, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's the beauty of that's the beauty of everyone from Berkeley moving out to LA. Is like the bubble has just shifted. Now you can you can reconnect with whoever. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, Nick Smith was at our house like a good number of times, being like, "Yeah, you know, I make music. I'm like, cool. Like everybody here does." You know. <laughs> and then like I, I hear him actually like put oh, together insane. something, and I'm like, insane. "Holy shit, my god!" That, actually, that song like, you showed me. That song you showed me. Uh, the JoJo one. Um, he did. He did a, yeah. a cover of that. Think about you. Think about you. Think about yeah. you. Fuck that song isn't. I've been listening to that song on loop since you played. It's so he, good. On repeat since you played it to me. But his his cover of that was incredible. Yeah, well, that's the thing is like 
he he just he just threw the whole template away. Like just try like did did the song, but his own flip of it. Yeah. And uh, well, and he also did Amelia Lee's yeah, he did, uh, he did, Love the Ocean. Did a cover of Love the Ocean, mm-hmm. but yeah, like Amelia. That's that's how I found his. That's how I found out that Nick Smith was like the crazy, insane, talented yeah, motherfucker awesome. that he is. Is Amelia sent me, hey, she said Nick Smith just did this, and she sent me a little minute long snippet of him covering our song, and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, crazy. I met that guy so many times. Crazy. Like my other question though about lesson learned, sort of tying it back uh, is. Do you have a, is there a line that you, or like a moment of the song that you absolutely love? Oh gosh. Just in general, I like that, the concept of that song because it's like, first of all, at the time it was relatively fresh, maybe. Mm. It was definitely something I'd felt and it was kind of just like about staying with somebody that you know brings close to no value to your life, but it's kind of the, like the guilt of knowing that you'll, you'll upset them if you end it, basically. Right, um, right. But it's that moment of being like, no, I'm going to look out for myself and make sure I am happy and, you know, try and do it in the nicest way possible. But kind of just like letting go of something to focus on, you know, the stuff that makes you happy. Um, I, I liked, so I liked the concept of it. I liked what the acoustic sort of video brought oh, out of you. it too. Because also you had Alice going the dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, which is really. What I love about really... that video is that um, in the track, there's like the build up and then the the hit just for the chorus <laughs> acoustic version doesn't have that but it was missing like something so we're like why don't we all just like snap so we're like sick yeah let's snap <laughs> and then i forgot to snap lev was playing the guitar so alex burrell's there going but it's you can't hear it because i was on my sm7b <laughs> so, <laughs> didn't, didn't jacob make a, a video where a dog like bark. instead of the yeah he put oh, a dog yeah. bark instead of the snap. <laughs> actually i was with you the night before the fnf party wait the friends and family party yeah I was, you we there? didn't, no. Oh, I was so drunk. Was no, because the friends and family party was actually on my, my I think on my birthday. Did you miss my birthday? No, it wasn't that night. I did miss your, that was the next day. That was the day of the yeah. video. Okay, we can cut out of this whole part. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm leaving in the fact that you missed my birthday. No, no okay. oh, it wasn't because I was, it was not because I was at another, you know, event. Don't yeah. worry. No, it's okay. Everybody missed it. My gra- the Grammys, the Grammys wanted to compete this year, and uh, I lost. But jokes on them because there's no Grammys this year. Oh crumbs! <laughs> um, crumbs. Yeah. What a time. Mm. God, January well, and February were wild. What a wow, man! What a trail. A whirlwind. Oh I'm, glad, well, okay, I'm glad well, we got out of our systems there. At least we had like a like a time to all be together before it all. I I love that the quarantine hit like roughly two weeks after Alex. We were all drunk and Alex Costa was just like, guys, I'm just so happy we found each other. You yeah, know, we we're hilarious. like- We were on the dance yeah. floor at no vacancy as well. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was like, he, he was really like, in a beautiful way, I think, presencing like the fact that we kind of had like a group to go yeah, out and hang absolutely. out and like enjoy LA together. Yeah. And then we didn't see anybody for four months. Oh, it was rough. Um, well, okay, so walk me through Clear to Me and Hate You But I Don't. So Clear to Me, one of my favorite people to work with, he's called Yona, he goes by Skywalk. Um, he's a producer and writer from Finland. And mm-hmm. I met him while we were both um, staying at this studio just outside of Amsterdam, which was last year. And the first day we worked together, we did like three tracks. We just worked really, really, it just, it worked really, really well. And he was uh, out in LA for a trip, like full of sessions. And he just happened mm. to have a day that he was like, can you make this session? It was with another writer called Jackie Lipton. 
And there was kind of no guidance for the session. It was just like, see what happens. Doesn't matter who it's for. Like it could be for me, it could not be for me. And that's when we wrote Clear to Me. I received a phone call right before that session, which definitely sparked the whole song. <laughs> mm. I was not in a good I, mood I've, that day. I appreciate <laughs> though that you that you write with skin in the game. Like one of the things that yeah. I enjoyed about writing with you was just that like we talked like what was going down yeah. and then just throw it into the into the song. Yeah. I think I realized that people can tell if you're not doing that. Yeah. And I can tell if I'm not doing that. Like if I'm not feeling something, what I'm what I, like I can write something, but it's not gonna be nearly as good. The song doesn't resonate otherwise. Definitely. Um yeah. so yeah, that song happened. And you know, when you write a song and you're like, oh my God, this is perfect for like what I'm releasing under my own artist project, mm-hmm. but you don't want to like steal it from the session. <laughs> so I was yeah. just like, hey guys, <laughs> I would put this out tomorrow. Like, I love this. And they were like, sick, cool. Like if we could get a you know bigger opportunity, then let's come like cross that bridge when we get to it. But at one point I was like, guys, I really, really love this song. Please, can I put it out? And they were like, absolutely. <laughs> so that was clear to me. You'll never I just, I knew that I liked the song too much to let it sit on a hard drive for God knows how many months. Which has always been your ethos, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Let the songs have a house. Yeah. So then Hate You But I Don't, we did just after the camp. Um, Okay. I think we all left Joshua Tree and was just like, that was so good. I'm feeling inspired to work with these people. Because, you know, it wasn't like we went to a camp and then everyone left to their, you know, wherever they're from. It's like we left Joshua Tree to come back to LA pretty back much all LA. together. Did so, you, on the drive back from Joshua Tree, did you exclusively listen yep. to the playlist of all the songs? Yep. That's what we did. We, <laughs> were, we were freaking and freaking out about it. The like, whole way. Yeah. It was awesome. But I so yeah, we booked that session in. And again, that song, I was, you know, makes my life sound very eventful. But something was also happening <laughs> during that time, which everyone has felt. Everyone has felt that, you know, I want to hate you, but I can't and it sucks. Yeah. Um, so that song kind of just was, I wouldn't say it wrote itself because we, you know, a lot of a lot of time went into that one. But that's, I think, my favorite. Who did you write uh, Hate You By Don't With? That was me, Alex Burrell, Venegas, and Marvin. Marvin was the Ooh. producer on the day. Um, All right. And then Dream we had, we pretty much finished the the writing. And what I love about Marvin is that he'll, you know, make a track that's, you know, a good vibe during the session, yeah. but he's also involved in the writing process. So we left that day, did like a, you know, scratch vocal. And then I think it was a few weeks later. So he takes it and then, and then properly works on the track by himself, sends it back, <laughs> whole different ball game, really exciting. And then we did a production day where we just kind of tried to smooth it out a little bit. We did a rewrite day and then I sent it to Daniel. Um, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Floaty. Floaty. Yeah. Yeah. He is one of my, favorite people he's based he in Amsterdam camp. yeah he was at the camp and he was like fire like I'll finish this production absolutely and he just added like oh, oh he killed it <laughs> so we finished that song in quarantine oh wow so that was like a virtual thing by the like end like a of remote kind of yeah what was there I, I, I know I've been asking this for everything but like was there a part in clear to me in a, in a part and I hate you but I don't that like sort of unlocked it for you whether it's a lyric or like a, a melodic idea or something what I like about writing with you right 
is that like there's always something that tends to sort of like snowball. Yeah. Like, you know, for Lonely in L.A., we were sort of making the jokes about the, you know, the rhymes in the city, you know. Yeah, there's just there's always something that like just kind of moves it along. And so I I asked you specifically because I know occasionally that's how you work, you know. Hate you, but I don't. The moment that I was like, oh, actually, this is good. Like, I do like this (laughs) was figuring out the melody on the pre-chorus and probably the line like how you took me for granted fucked me up like you planned it. Which yeah. in an English accent doesn't work, but <laughs> also <laughs> Do you just, run into the trouble of like of like rhymes that only work in one accent or the other. Well, I just don't sing in an in an English accent just so, to avoid <laughs> that problem entirely. I think also we were kind of toying around with a uh, I forget what it started off as originally, but the I want to hate you, but I don't. I hate that I don't know how you know that whole chorus. Mm-hmm. But it was us kind of like figuring it out and being like, oh, that's not quite there, and then like finally just going, I want to hate you, but I don't. Easy. <laughs> like, how did we not just start with that? It's so simple. I wanna hate you, but I don't. I hate that I don't know how to let you go. Oh, just when I think it's making sense, you hit me up again, and I can't say no. Oh, I wanna hate you, but I don't. That, that, that's my favorite part too, is when like like you circle the drain until it's like, oh, like the way that I would say it makes more sense than yeah. anything else, yeah. you know? I, th- I think those are my favorite kind of like seeds to go into a session with though as well is like stuff that isn't too cryptic. Mm. So you can, it's like what you see is what you get with this concept, but you can try and, you know, figure it out in a way that's, you know, maybe slightly more clever or it depends, but just not having to think too hard about what angle you're going to go in at. Well, conversational lyricism. I mean, that's yeah. like, I feel like Julia Michaels and, yeah. uh, you know, and like J.P. Sachs and like the idea of sort of like just yeah. having a conversation with somebody and letting that be the, the lyric that drives it yeah. is is really huge and really, really powerful. Um, now, m- my big question is what compelled you to gather, what was it, 13 people into a house made of paper, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> in Joshua Tree? Because I think I had it on my like, LA bucket list right. for like, you know, five year plan to like host some sort of camp or something. Right. But it was just always, it was just always a lot of, a lot of hubbubaloo. Yes. A lot of hubbubaloo. Um, yeah. You guys did it like well. <laughs> thank you. I think so back in 20, beginning of 2019, I went to a studio in Amsterdam called Visselord and I basically moved in. They have like They have bedrooms and you can like a residence wing basically. And I was there for a few weeks and just every day chucked in sessions with random people, whether it was with other artists, producers, singer, right? Like a whole bunch of people. And that's where I met Yona. That's where I met Daniel. Daniel's relatively local to that. Yona's obviously from Finland. There were just people from everywhere, American, like European. And I thought that was sick that they just had, you know, whether they were local or international, they had a basically a roster of hundreds of writers and producers. And I ended up going back in March of 2019 and worked with some of the same people, but some new people. And it was just a cool kind of central hub for everyone to come to who, you know, you'd never really be able to work with like that again um, from afar. So then that kind of made me want to do my own camp. So my parents have a place in the south of France. So they were like, take the house, do it. So Naturally. 
<laughs> so I organized what I thought was going to be a really, you know, productive camp with Daniel also came to that one. It was with some people from England. My roommate Mia came to kind of, she's a videographer, so she came to get some footage. And this could have gone really badly or really well. And it was an amazing week. Like I had a great time, but in terms of the songs that came from it, you know, there was just not enough planning put into the creative side. Like who could bring this to the table? Who could bring this? Mm -hmm. And there was no real goal either. So I think the biggest, I think I learned a lot from organizing that camp. Well, what I remember really distinctly about the camp, because we had done sort of camps, like we had done like one or two camps before, but none where we actually had to like go somewhere. I remember you and Alex Burrell were really adamant about making sure there was enough stations and a rotation right. and that everybody had like a combination of like writer, producer, yeah. artist thing. Because your whole goal wasn't, oh, let's write a hit or like, let's do this. Or like your goal was let's make songs that we want to put out or somebody will want to put out, you know? So I think from the camp that we did in France that, you know, of the things that went wrong there, I knew to put more into that for this Mm. camp. So when we moved out here, Alex and I were like talking about it and we were saying how sick it would be to do a a retreat style camp. And Joshua Tree is just like magical anyway. So that was our, our number one. And eventually, I think it was around Thanksgiving, he was like, let's do it. And I was like, sick, Mm. let's do it. And over the next kind of two, three weeks, we had everyone confirmed pretty much. Well, I remember you asked us uh, while we were playing beer pong with Jackson. Yep. Like I was, I was playing beer pong and you come up and you're like, Hey Nate, like, I know this is sort of like, like uh, weird time you know, to ask like this. a weird time to ask this, but like, we're doing a camp in Joshua Tree. You want to come? And like, I, I think, I think, were you there? Or did I text you? I think you texted me. No, because I, like, I remember you being like, Noah might be down as well. And me and yeah. Alex were talking about it and we were like, okay, we currently have quite a few people. So like, is there room? And then we were like, fuck it, we'll make room. Like, of course <laughs> yeah, it's I was coming. like, I was like, I, I don't know how to put this, but we are kind of a package deal. Yeah, of course. You know? <laughs> but no, we definitely, we literally sat down with like a spreadsheet and we hadn't even worked with everyone, but you know, everyone had worked with enough people who were there. So we knew that, you know, this person plays amazing piano. This person's a sick producer. This person, we basically organized everyone's session for them. So there was no like faffing around when we got there. So we knew mm. that there could be a really, really solid vocalist in every session to do a good demo vocal, a really like a lead producer in every room. So there was a lot of planning that went into that aspect of it. But yeah, like you said, we didn't, it was, there was no goal to get, you know, incredible cuts from it, or we just wanted everyone to be able to create stuff that they were excited about. And like you said, just wanted so, like something to happen with those songs. Well, th- that was like, I think my favorite part was that because it was all these friends that we spent so much time hanging out with, but never doing sessions because of how good friends we were. Right. It was nice to like actually have an excuse like, okay, now you're going to write. And you know, one of the first sessions of the camp, I was paired with Alex Venegas and Alice Costa and we did Mm -hmm. Out of It, which is one of my favorite songs of the year. Incredible song. Um, Thank you. Like, well, and and that was, that was the first time I heard Alice Costa sing too. Like Mm -hmm. he did Ashes and you know, like, Noah worked with with Kaylee and mm. uh, and Eden on "Fake My Feelings," and that song's coming out. Like it is? every yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it's almost done. I love that um, song. We you know we did we did happier, and I feel like I broke the rules a little bit. I was so restless that I would like wander into other sessions That's and just sick, like though. fix up a lyric. Like <laughs> I remember, yeah, my, my, the first day the song that we were doing, we were just like burnt out at that point. We were like, <laughs> like how are we going to do this verse? You came in, you were just like fresh ears. What about this? Mm. And like spat out that verse so quickly. 
Um, <laughs> well, that, that was like, that was fun for me. Cause I think the thing that I hate the most about a session, unless I'm really feeling inspired, which mind you, I was coming off a breakup. So I was actually you feeling very inspired. Sure. Yeah. And it was, it was honestly the first sort of, I think, time with friends that I had since the breakup, which mm-hmm. was really nice. Like it reminded me of how much life was out right. here and sort of outside of this relationship I was in. I think that's the thing. It was such a good balance of work play. Mm. Yeah. Like everyone, it wasn't like, let's wrap up this session so that we can go and like hang out with the rest of the group. It was it was encouraged that you spend as much time as you need on your song yeah. and then we can do whatever when everyone's finished. Um, uh, I think the thing that really resonated with me too is when we, you know, compiled all the songs, which it was like, what, 13 oh, or 14 songs. One of my favorite moments uh, ever. And then we, we all, we all like listened to it afterwards. And it was such, I mean, everybody was just encouraging and cheering each other on. Like there was so much love in the room. Is everyone was, like, everyone was also, it was really nice to see how surprised, not in mm. a bad way, but just how surprised everyone was that we pulled it off. Like everyone did yeah. an insane job. And one of my favorite moments was when, uh, when we were playing out of it. Mm. And I think, I think like they've, you forgot to put the second chorus in. You forgot to like paste the second chorus in. <laughs> yeah. But after hearing it, you know, a few times throughout the few days that we were there, but also just hearing that chorus the day that we played it, the whole room just like erupted singing the second <laughs> verse when it was forgot, like when they <laughs> forgot to put it in. And that was just like, holy shit. Like people have heard this song a few times at most. Th- that was like, like the the highlight of my 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 year. It's like, like the that was, of my life. It was such mind a good you, moment. The, the year was not exactly. This has not necessarily been a great year, but like the highlight was like that moment when we didn't have. We forgot to bounce the chorus, which we were just a little bit embarrassed about. And I was right. gonna like just sort of like quietly sing it to myself or whatever, just to fill that space. Right. And then everybody in the room sang it. Was like it. a I was, passing I was gonna, the mic to the audience who was screaming. Yeah. Like it's, I, I oh, wanted it's to so cry. Sad. I was just so, I was like so moved by it. Wholesome, it. Like, that whole it was so wholesome. Also, I loved writing, I loved writing Happier with you. Yeah, um, that was really fun. Because that, that like session wasn't scheduled. We just mm-hmm. sort of like both wandered in. You're like, I have the song, like what, you know. And and we like, we were getting excited. We dove in. There was that Imogen Heapy part. Like it was mm-hmm. just, it was, I don't know. The whole, the whole thing was just such an interesting, Also, you know, I think everyone came back to LA and instead of being like drained from, you know, really intense writing camp, everyone was just so excited and inspired to keep doing it, which is, you can't really ask for much more. Yeah. Well, I I think it, it renewed kind of like, mind you, like I'll, I will never sort of waver my hope in like this community, but I think it just sort of like was a reminder that like, you know, we mm. were here, like we were here and we fucking made some cool songs and like nobody can take that away from us, you know? Definitely. Like it was, it just, it was a moment of just like, yeah, like I feel so extremely lucky to to be surrounded by such incredibly talented people. Definitely. And luckily and it I, went well because Daniel flew all the way from Holland. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, speaking of the community. Yes. A song that I, I mean, I, I've heard the, de- like the demos and the various like bounces of it, but I think the first time I heard Lie to Me was when you performed it live like during like one of Caitlin's sort of backyard sessions oh yeah and oh. lie to me is incredible thank you so like, much thank you lie to me is like yeah it's, it's like just, good it's just fucking good <laughs> thank you so much um I am tell me about that song oh I'm so excited about lie to me I remember getting up that morning and I had a session booked with Sissy Smith Lev Friedman Jake Bennett and Alex Burrell and I feel like I have such a love-hate relationship with five people sessions <laughs> like it's either absolute, drag it out it's absolute yeah exactly it's absolute chaos or you get something sick 
because you have so many different ideas to bounce off of and you know that when you all agree on something that's five people agreeing on something so it's probably yeah. doing something right anyway so I remember just going to the session being like oh my god this is going to be exhausting or, <laughs> or still exhausting and great and I came home that night and my roommate was like how'd it go I was like oh my god I think I was just a part of one of the best songs that you know I've ever it's like it been sounds a like of. a hit like it's straight up so good like thank you like thank every you. part of it is, is just like I don't know. I mean, the pre-chorus, I think, hits home in a really special way. Love is hard. Sex is easy. I'm so tired of finding meaning. It's not your fault. My heart's not ready to open up again. Though, of course, I'll always have Alex Burrell in the back of my head, like, making his jokes about it. Yeah, rewriting um, those lyrics. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, um, yeah. It's I just, actually said that line as a joke. Really? And Sissy was like, hang on. What was it? The love is hard, sex is easy line. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, why do we have to complicate things that shouldn't, don't have to be complicated? Back to being conversational. Yeah. And actually the post, which is the kind of sing along part of the, of the song. Which I love that part. Like, and the whole, the whole backyard was singing it along. By yeah, the that time. was, that was a yeah. really cool moment. Well, that happened because at the time I had had a song in my head for a long time. It was the uh, trampoline. La, 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 la. Oh, la, yeah. la, 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 And me and Alex always joked about that song because literally a whole section of the song is just like the la, 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 la. Right. And so kind of subconsciously in the room, I went la, la, lie to me, la, la, lie to me in whatever melody it was in. And they were like, oh, let's keep it. So some of, the, some of that song on my part was definitely an accident. Um, <laughs> but since then... We've done some really cool visuals for it, hey. which I am well, incredibly nice excited to release. You, you you live with a very visual person. I'm extremely lucky to live with my roommate Mia Doyon. She's an incredible um, photographer, graphic designer, videographer, incredible. So we work on most of the releases. She does all my artwork and what I can see in my head but can't explain, <laughs> she does. She just does it. Like, well, I appreciate she's that she's really also really always like gunning for sort of, you know, innovative, like weird stuff, you know, like, Definitely. like when we came, when we pulled up to the session that we most recently did, mm -hmm. you guys were throwing like a 360 camera around. To well, get in, the, I was like in a pool and you came yeah. and like, what is happening? <laughs> no, you just come like, like you both were both coming out, out of a pool. I'm like, are we overdressed? Like what's the, <laughs> <laughs> what's the dress code here? Yeah. But for the video for Lie to Me. I have my, like one of my favorite spots in LA um, is up in the hills, like in Encino, mm. because it's, you can see the whole valley. You can see downtown if it's clear, you can see this, like the ocean. It's incredible. And I was like, let's just shoot a video there. Like, let's do it. So we had to lug a drum kit, the keyboard, the guitar, everything up to this like really, really high up viewpoint. It was, it was, a, it was sweaty for sure, but it turned out really, really cool. Well, I'm very much looking forward to both the song being in the world. You know, one just so we can say that we heard it first. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, and and two because yeah, I'm I'm always a fan of Mia's visuals and whatnot. Me too. But yeah, the song the song is absolutely killer. So I'm I'm extremely so extremely excited for it, it to come out. And, and it's like cool. It. And it's and it's nice that like I, like I know that group of people. They're so, like like each are incredible writers individually, mm -hmm. but the fact that it was able to come together, that doesn't happen. Like people listening need to know that like you can have five of the best writers ever and that doesn't necessarily mean that the song is going to be like 
like if anything, it's more indicative of like too many egos in the room and yeah. like it's just no, no, no egos in the room. No, like, I, honestly, None. it feels like just like and you can hear in the song, there's not like a hair out of place. Like it doesn't sound okay. like one one person's melody, tra- like one out over the other, like the whole right. thing's cohesive. Like um, oftentimes when there's like five people, it feels like patchwork. It's right. like it's such a tight song, so I'm I'm excited and thank you and uh, and and yeah. Well, but you always you always write the the smashes. <laughs> Stop. Are you ready for the question round? Oh, blimey! Yes. Okay. All right. First question of the question round. Uh, what is your phone background? My phone background is me and my brother sitting in a road in um, Newport Beach, I think. Hmm. Nice. Or Balboa shout Island. To, somewhere shout around. out to Dimitri. I love your brother. Oh, he's the best. Your brother came and went, and I just I wish I wish we had more time. He's an actor, so I think eventually he will be here. That makes sense. I think he'll move here. He's so funny. He is a he's a hoot. Hoot and a half. Hoot and a half. <laughs> Do you have a non musical hobby? Uh, I'd probably say sports. Yeah. Even though That's... I definitely don't work out um, <laughs> anymore, <laughs> but sports was a big part of a big part of my life. Nice. Are there any skills that you would like to have? I'd like to speak more languages. Mm. Mm, that's a really I come good from one. a very multilingual family, and sadly, I am less multilingual. Do you, Do you speak other languages? I speak quite a quite a lot of French. I understand French. Um, mm. I speak very poor Greek because my um, family is originally Greek. Oh. Um, but you know, very very poor Greek. What What would be your top language to learn? Well, I actually studied Chinese for about ten years, so I got Whoa. pretty good at Chinese, but obviously haven't practiced it in years, so I forgot a lot of it. So that's one I'd probably want to nail. Nice. Would you be a pirate? No. Okay. Nice. Care to elaborate on that? Well, I watched Pirates of the Caribbean like a week ago. Did not enjoy it. <laughs> the, the first one's good. The rest are not. Don't seem fun. That's. I mean, that's true. That's yeah. That's I'm too much the, of a city girl to be a, a pirate. <laughs> we watched High School Musical two yesterday. Oh. fuck yeah! Great well, film. Oh, great yeah. movie. Um, do you have any tattoos? I do. I have an elephant head on my wrist. And that was done by Winterstone, who's an incredible tattoo artist. Um, he's in Santa Monica. I got that mm. a few years ago. And he, that's, it's like the detail in it is incredible. It's a single needle one. I basically have two evil eyes, one on my wrist and one on my foot. The one on my wrist is like a geometric one that I have. Got it with my brother. He has the same one. Hmm. I have a lip tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. um, I have one behind my ear. I didn't know you had so many. I have another one on my wrist. I think that's it. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know you had so many. I guess because they're all in very subtle places. Yeah, they're all in the yeah. basic places. <laughs> the basic places. What was the first concert you ever attended? Oh gosh, it was either the Jingle Bell Ball or the I Am Sasha Fierce tour. I forget. Whoa! Wow! Wow! Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, that's great. I think it was the I Am Sasha Fierce at the O2 Arena. Whoa! That sounds fun. That's that right. was crazy. What is your go-to karaoke song? Man, I feel like a woman, Shania Twain. I know. <laughs> you witnessed that. You witnessed it. <laughs> oh gosh. I, uh, one of one of the last times we hung out before all this, we went to a karaoke bar. You sang that. Alex and I, Alex uh, Costa and I did a Semi Charm Life. Okay, I remember this. I remember this. <laughs> I think I'm up to. I think I've done Man, I Feel Like a Woman at six now. I think I'm at six. Nice. That's really your go-to karaoke song. They're everywhere. We got one in Hollywood. What's that place called? The one that we went to. Yeah, the one they give you free popcorn because they want you to drink more. <sighs> I I don't remember the name, but I just I kept calling oh, it. Is it Lucky tank- Strike? I think. Yeah, I call, I kept in my head calling it the Tangled Bar because it looked like the bar from Tangled where they get where they sing the I Have a Dream. Oh my gosh. Song. The other one, oh, where did I do it? It was in like a, okay. It was in one May and it was in a Santa themed karaoke bar, which was in a big airstream, basically. 
Holy shit. In Nashville. One in New York. I was very drunk, so I don't remember geographically where it was. One in Boston. Anyway, that's getting boring, but lots of places. <laughs> no, I mean, like, legend of your Shania Twain abilities <laughs> has has made it to both coasts. Absolutely. <laughs> You've been all over. Absolutely. It's a traveling show. Do you have a scar with a story? Oh, yes. I've got three scars on my my right leg, all from the same the same night. I was six and I fell 40 feet down a house. Whoa. Like down the stairwell, yeah. What? Yeah. My brother was trying, we were at like a sleepover or something. Uh, my parents were actually still at the house because it was at my friend's house. And the like our brothers were trying to scare us. And I went to like lean over the banister to see if they were on the floor below because they had a really wide stairwell. The banister was pretty low down though. And I flipped over and I fell oh, down to the, from damn. the top floor to the ground floor of like a London townhouse. Didn't break a bone though. But you fell... 40 feet? Yeah. I fell like four stories. Yeah. That's crazy. Did anything catch your fall? Um, I landed on a metal trash can. Whoa. I'm just trying to... Which is what cut my leg. But Can you... Do people survive 40 foot (laughs) drops? Like how does that... Probably because I was... Well, I passed out. So it was probably because I was like quite like relaxed. I don't know. But yeah. That's wild. Yeah, I guess. And then I got... I had to take some time off school. Not that much. Like a few weeks. And I got bored of telling everyone the story when they asked. So I wrote a little book and it's called The Worst <laughs> Night of My Life. <laughs> wow. I would, I would call it Fall from Grace, you know. Fall just, from Grace. Uh, Chaos in the Stairwell. Chaos in the Stairwell. There you go. So that's Sorry, my scar I'm with st- the story. I'm still, I'm still hung up on the fact that you fell 40 feet and lived. I didn't, I didn't, know, you, I didn't know you could do that. Should we try it? can. Well, I wouldn't test it. I don't, I, yeah. I don't, don't try that at home. Don't try this listeners. at home, folks. Meanwhile, Jacob jumps off the gate and breaks his feet. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm, you see, that's actually the first thing I thought about. Jacob fell five feet and broke his feet. I mean, think it's also something to do with being so young that, you know, the doctor told me I was made of rubber. Interesting. Mm. I'll do it. Yeah. yeah, it all depends on how you land. Like people who do parkour, like you can jump, like I right. would say more than 40 feet. And if you like roll correctly, you don't get a scratch on you. That's, so what, it's like, that's right. apparently what they tell you if like you fall out of a plane. Well, I've jumped out of plane. You, no, apparently, like <laughs> you can. Didn't have to land it though. Apparently, you can um, fly out of. Like, apparently, you can like survive like falling out of a plane if you land a certain way. I believe yeah, it. I think. Maybe. I don't know. I don't. I, I can tell you. Uh, what are three thoughts you have at this moment? Oh gosh, how much I've rambled in this whole process. <laughs> That's what it's all about. It's called rambling um, lion. And actually, I was just reliving jumping out of plane because you were talking about it. That's probably it. That's two thoughts. Is that enough? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, no, because we need three. Okay, three. And then I'm very excited to be here with you. Nice. <laughs> hey, likewise. <laughs> Lovely. What are you most proud of? Oh, my God. These, these questions are getting harder. Probably most proud of, you know, completing school quickly and coming out to a place that I absolutely adore and doing what I want to be doing forever and just doing yeah. it. Next question is what's important to you? I mean, other than the obvious, you know, family and friends. Hmm. You know what? We'll stick with family and friends. The people who yeah. I can trust no matter what. That tracks. Yeah, that's, that's a great answer. So that's always a good answer. And lastly, what are you looking forward to? Hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing what the next year holds after, you know, the quarantine and the whole palaver that, you know, came with the virus is somewhat over. I'm excited to kind of get back to live music, to, you know, writing with some of my favorite people. That's what I'm excited for. Yeah. I'm excited for another camp, potentially. Yeah. I am excited for another camp. Absolutely. Because we were, we were like midway through trying to plan another one when all this started. Yeah, we were planning to go um, end of April. Yeah. 
Shit happens, Pala- there, you know. Palava? Oh. <laughs> palava? Did I say palava? You said palava. Yeah. I've heard that word. Yeah, I've heard you palava. say that word, the whole palava. I've heard that word before. Yeah, you, but, uh, you picked me up lo- on that the first time I said it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next time I hear you say palava. That's what I'm looking forward palava. to. Palava. Palava. <laughs> <laughs> well, Latimi will be out by the time this comes out. So everybody be sure to listen to it and to check out all your music. And thank you. If this comes out when I think it's going to. We will also have a song called Lonely in LA coming out that Hell we yeah, wrote we together do. very soon, probably in a week. So everybody just, you know, if if you don't know who Sophia Grappari is, now you do. And you have no excuse to be laid on this shit. So, and you know just, all about my tattoos and my scars. <laughs> and the fact that you can survive a 40 foot drop. That's crazy to me. I'm not sure how, how that would go down now, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're all too tense for that now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but uh well you know I, I hope we can write again very soon and, oh, and as always too. it's Definitely. great great to see you and talk to you so yeah thank we'll, you guys we'll so much for having me i'm it's an absolute honor to be here you've had some incredible people on here well you're incredible as well so thank you for thank being you. on <laughs> of course anytime We would like to thank Alan C. for supporting Talking Lion on Patreon and Isotope.